Right, so uh, <laughs> what we're going to do this morning is we're going to continue looking um, in the series we've been doing uh, on Making Life Work, which is the book we've been using and following. So we've had the past number of weeks, we've done friendships and seeing how that works and what the Bible tells us about friendships. Last week, we, uh, Paul was sharing about uh, marrying well, and from that kind of leads on to where we are today, which is forging strong families. <coughs> Um, so that's where we're going. There's two components. There's two main bits. Oh, yeah, the other thing. I get two chapters of the book to do as opposed to just one. I don't know whether that was deliberate, but anyway, clearly it was deliberate. So uh, there's two components. The first one, which links into last week, is about solid marriages. So we're going to think about that. Um, we're going to think about that first. And the second one is about effective parenting. Okay. Now, for those of you that don't know me that well, I'm, uh, I teach during the day, <coughs> Monday to Friday, um, and one of the topics uh, we do, I teach home economics, and one of the topics in Key Stage 3, sort of years, old, old school, 1, 2, 3, new terminology, 8, 9, 10. So one of the, one of the topics we teach is about the family, <coughs> um, and it's, it's covered across the whole ranges, and one of the things that I always em emphasize at the start, whenever I start teaching this topic, is uh, to, the, to the pupils in the class, I always talk about the sensitivity of the subject. I always talk about the fact that everybody's family is different, everybody's coming from a different background, a different understanding of family, different experiences of family. It could be extended family, it could be single parents, it could be couples, it could be uh, whatever. Okay, whatever entails your family. And I make it clear to the kids that, you know, just because you've got one experience doesn't mean anyone else understands it and doesn't mean anyone else can see that perspective. So I make sure that they get that it's a, it's, it's a sensitive issue and not to be talking about it <coughs> and sort of going on about it outside of, the, outside of the classroom. So this morning, similarly, that applies. It is sensitive, and I'm aware that it's a sensitive issue. But there's a difference because we're teaching it from the Bible, and I'm not just teaching about the family in the context of a school classroom. And the Bible doesn't pull any punches with this, and it, it speaks directly from, from God's word, and that's what we're using this morning. So I just wanted to kind of put that disclaimer out there. So solid marriages. When we're thinking about solid marriages, there's so many books and advice that's out there, so many celebrities launch books, usually sort of either January, February, or in the run-up to Christmas, uh, about advice, celebrity guides, commentaries on the ideal relationships, the ideal type of family. <coughs> and uh, I don't I didn't even know who half the celebrities are these days. I generally don't know. All the ones in the jungle didn't have a clue who they were at all. All these people, no, no idea. But they're releasing all these things. And, but for me, uh, I, l I love my movies, I love my films, and um, I like to sort of see what, what actors like to say about certain things. So the first one we're going to have a look at, this is a wee, uh, if that works, it's not going to go. Evie, just you push it on there. Um, so Sly, big Sylvester, uh, he's, he's, he's a hero, and he says this, uh, nobody's going to hit as hard as life. This is come from Rocky. Nobody's going to hit as hard as life, but it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about, I'm going to go on, here we go. And about how hard you get hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, keep on going. How much you can take and keep moving forward, that's how winning is done. And he's, he's inspirational. I don't know which one of the gazillion Rocky films it's from, but it probably is in all of them. So, uh, But he's talking about, you know, you sort of keep on going, you persevere, you keep going. Life's tough and it's going to be hard and you just got to keep on going. 
The next we want is uh, from Bruce Lee, and it's just short. There he is. Don't pray for an easy life. Don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure a difficult one. So pray for the strength to get on through. Again, these aren't in, in the book of Proverbs. Okay? So we're not, I'm getting there. Don't, don't panic yet. Okay? So, but, but in terms of modern Proverbs, you could, probably, you could probably take those out. You could probably think, yeah, you know, that's good advice. That's good, good advice. You know, keep on going, perseverance, endure, endure difficult things. There was an article recently that, uh, that I saw, and uh, it, yeah, it, it, was, it was all about kind of um, having a quick fix. So, you know, there's lo- there's lo- all, the, all these kind of advices are kind of quick fixes. And um, this, this BBC article was about, uh, it was just about kind of t- to have the ideal family life. These are some of the things you need. So to make time together, make time together fun, use incentives and never argue over the remote. The ultimate family hacks to make, fli- make life easier. This was the tagline on this article. I thought, that's just nonsense, you know? <laughs> the remote's mine, there's no question. <laughs> but, uh, y- you know, so y- with, with all these things, the sort of instant short shortcuts, life hacks to get happiness, to get fulfillment. And that's what it's about. It's about personal fulfillment. That's what the world is saying. You know, we've got to f- you've got you to have these things to be happy. You've got to have these things to be successful. You've got to have these things to make life work. That's what the world is saying. There's another one. The next article is, is, is it was a BBC thing. I just saw the headline. I had a quick brief skim over it. And it's just really sad, to be honest. It was, it was this one. And it, this was the picture. It was on the BBC website. And the, the heading was, I regret spending £50,000 on my wedding. I thought, yeah, I'm not surprised. Okay, okay, <laughs> you know. And the article went on, the, 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 you know, £50,000 on the wedding. And the, 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 the wife in the, in the article then goes on to say how, you know, it was thought it was going to be the best start in married life. And I'm thinking, yeah, not really. So it was just disappointment. They're in debt. They're struggling. They're arguing all the time. They can't afford to live. They can't afford to pay their rent. And it's, it was all these things. The, the build-on from having this, this perfect day, this perfect wedding. But the wedding day is just the first day. It's every other day after that that you need to, need to work on. You know, life is hard. And, it can, and, and all this kind of sea of helpfulness that's out there, the sea that is kind of full of advice and life hacks and celebrity quotes and do this to get happy, all that sea of information can, can make couples and can make families drown, really, if they're trying to sort of grasp onto all these things and not help them swim at all. And that's what can, can affect them and affect couples and affect marriages and affect family life. The solid qualification for marriage, see in Proverbs 5, 18 uh, to 19. Uh, Paul did touch on this last week. Solid qualification for marriage is permanence. Permanence. To have this permanence, you need to have a strong foundation. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your, your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. To rejoice in marriage and in each other is, is what it's about, because it, you know, it's not easy. It's hard. Family life is tough. It needs work, constant work. It needs commitment. It needs, needs dependence on each other but also in the foundation, dependence on, on God our Father. 
a solid foundation doesn't mean it's going to be easy in that. You know, look at the example that, that Jesus uses in Luke 6, 46 to 49, the wise and foolish builders. One thing about that story, which I, I love, and we've got, we've got one of the kids' Bible stories, and we read it to the kids at nighttime sometimes, and the wise and foolish builders, and this nice wee picture of the wee man building his wee house and, and all this. But the bedrock of rock, the foundation that was firm, held firm, but it still got battered. It still got the waves crashing against it. It still had the rain pouring down. The floods were rising, but it held firm. A solid bedrock is what's needed, the permanence to have forging strong families. Biblical advice, what are, what are we to be as a couple? There's, there's five sort of key principles just to sort of link in here, and they're all Bs. So be faithful, Romans 12, verse 12. First Thessalonians, be thankful. Be thankful to God. Be thankful for each other. Be faithful to each other, the first one. In Matthew 18, be forgiving. Be forgiving. There's a brilliant quote. I remember it years ago. Again, another actor. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Charlton Heston, who's, who's brilliant, and I love Charlton Heston movies, and um, Big Country, brilliant. Great film, one of my favorites. Anyway, uh, Charlton Heston said he was he was in interviewed and he'd been married uh, for <laughs> forever to, the, to his wife, and it was just shortly before he died. And they were asking him what was the what was the one lesson that he learned in in his married life, and he just said <laughs> to say sorry. <laughs> he says just say sorry. He says because it's mostly my fault. He says, and as a husband, that's partly true. And so, uh, but ch- Charlton, fifty percent. I say fifty percent. You know, I'm getting there. Um, split it equally, 60-40, something. So. Uh, but yeah, saying sorry, forgiveness. Yeah, Matthew 18, be forgiving. Be forgiving to one another. You know, yes, you set standards, but be forgiving with it as well. Ephesians 6, be prepared. Be prepared for the storm that's going to come. If you're not in a storm at the minute, there'll be one coming soon enough. Be prepared for it. Batten down the hatches. Get ready. Be on top of it. And Genesis 2, be committed. Be committed to one another. Be committed to God. Be committed to working at it, to make it work, to make life work. Marriage and family life, can, it can be joyous, and it can also be very stressful. No matter what season we're in, as we've said, the wind and the storm is just around the corner. Sleep, I think, is a much... Um, much undervalued by those who get it. Uh, there's a wee picture there. There you go. Guess who kept everyone up last night is the uh, the tagline on that little picture. So, yeah, sleep is undervalued, definitely. To survive times like this, you know, a couple must be solidly committed, solidly persevering, and continually working together to stay strong in their marriage. Thanking God, as we've said from those examples, thanking God for each step, for each other, for each blessing, for each trial. In the midst of trials, it can be easy to just... Just blow the head off with each other. And we all, we all do it. I do it, definitely. But taking time, step back and, you know, give thanks to God that this, give, you know, this, this trial that we've gone through is for a reason, to make you a stronger person, to make you a stronger couple. Give thanks and rejoice in the small things, the small things that we face. You know, we've learned to, to just, you know, embrace the, the small things and rejoice in them, give thanks to them, because life moves very quickly. Proverbs 5, 18 and 19 that we showed earlier shows a picture of sexual passion as well and an emotional bond that's deep and lasting. 
being captivated together, being a couple who, uh, as the Bible tells us, to, to, to go together, to be together, to be joined together as one. And this sounds, this, sound, this, is, this is the perfect uh, image, but how do we get there? How do we get there? There's certain things we need to do. You build on the common ground. You meet in the middle, and those kind of things would be, you know, the interest that you have, the goals, the pleasures, the things you like to do, the th- people you like to hang out with, uh, you know, programs you like to watch, whatever it could be. Uh, just recreational things, things you like to do in your, in your spare time. That's the, that's the kind of ground you need to build on. And, yeah, it's, it, it's, something that, it's something that needs work, but you work at it. You know, Paul did touch on that last week in terms of sort of opposites attracting and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, you work at it. You find the middle ground. You've still got to have your same own interest. Doing everything together, I don't think, is healthy. Doing everything together is definitely not healthy. So just having things that you do yourself, things you enjoy doing, things you, people you like to hang out with, things you like to, to do. Then I thought that these little pictures came up. So what is love? What is love? Sing it, sing it. Hadaway, 1989, thank you. <laughs> think, there you go. What is love? Mel, choir, <laughs> solo spot, thanks. Uh, love is, love is, uh, yeah, love is. There you go, watching the game with him and not asking questions. Most definitely. What's the offside rule? So, uh, love is what grows strong with care and attention. Love is, I, w- my mom used to have an apron with one of these, uh, one of these, li- these two little naked people. It was the weirdest thing growing up, having your mum with an apron with little naked children on it. Well, my mates are coming around. <laughs> get rid of that. Get rid of that. It's so embarrassing. Uh, get rid of it. For fucking sake, mum. Uh, that's me. You know, the beautiful kind of tender ideal reality, maybe. Maybe it's more like these. My wife just stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? I thought that's a pretty weird way to start a conversation. Maybe that's, you know, that's, that, that happens. I've been there, absolutely. What was that? I've been talking to you for five minutes. Yeah, okay. Mm, whoops. Okay, maybe in reality that's, that's something. Maybe it's something like this. I love you. You annoy me more than I ever thought possible, but I want to spend every irritating minute with you. I think those conversations are hard as well sometimes. We don't, oh, these, these are things we don't admit. I'm laying it out there today, <laughs> big time. But then this one, and this one for me, the next one is true. In a sea of people, my eyes will always search for you. There you are. <laughs> it's not hard. I knew, I knew what you were wearing this morning, so it was okay. That helped. Uh, <laughs> But uh, bringing it back, bringing it back, sorry, tangents. You know, we're all individuals. We all, we, all, uh, we all come at life from different angles. We all come at life with different experiences. In a marriage, you compromise. In a marriage, you change and we grow and we, we move in different directions. Yet, in all the major decisions as a couple, in a marriage, you make the major decisions together. I can remember when we were, when, uh, before we were getting married, we had marriage preparation classes and they were one of the most... Uh, 
beneficial things that we were that we did. We were in Dun- we were in Dundee and uh, met with a minister um, of uh, of the church that Andrea was going to, and uh, and Jim spoke through a, a whole range of things and made us do made us do homework. And it was things like you know expectations of how many children you're going to have, who does the washing up, who pays the bills, who does this, who does that. And it was things that you never have a conversation about, but it was brilliant. And it was, uh, and we're able to sort of share, well, you know, what's your experience of, of parenting? And what's, what's your experience of parenting? And how does that work together to then you have a, a, a joint idea of what, if and when you do have the privilege to become parents, what's that going to look like? And you're thinking through every conceivable potential situation. Now, it doesn't always work out that it follows that same path, but it gives you things to think about. And it was brilliant. And it was a really good foundation for our marriage that we kind of were able to have those difficult conversations and share experiences of even discipline, of, of understanding, of, of difficulties, of, of heartache, of hurt, and just get them all out there. And say, so, you know what, together, when we get married, this is what we're doing together. Joining with another to be one whole is a good thing. The desire for wholeness is important, and we need to learn from each other, incorporating each other's strengths into our own lives in order to be whole. Together, the whole, W-H-O-L-E, in wholeness is the marriage itself. You learn from each other incorporating each other's strengths into our own lives in order to be the whole together. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's important. Proverbs 27, 17. And we've looked at this before. It's a brilliant, it's one, of the, I mean, it's one of the best proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so now man sharpens another. We can learn from one another. You, you, you grow together, and as a result of each other, the whole people can share in and enjoy happiness together. You work together. As iron sharpens iron, you get stronger, you get tighter, you get sharper. It's through being willing to share, to try new ideas, new activities, meet new people, working hard, facing challenges together, that you can bend without breaking when the storm hits, that you can bend without breaking when the the tide's rising. And when you're feeling stressed and you're feeling strained, you can rely on each other. When we have God as the foundation, it's like the, the three-chord rope that's really hard to, you, you can't break it. It's so tight. It's bound together because God's at the center. God's at the foundation. In any marriage and in any relationship, you need investment. You need to keep investing. And marriage requires attention and effort. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, Be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Don't dwell on what you have. And don't just kind of rest on your laurels. Or where you're at, constantly working at it. Constantly working at it to persevere and work through. The next wee bit covers, uh, there's so many bits at the start of Proverbs that 
warn and the, the sort of we tagline at the top of each of the proverbs is warning against adultery. So I've got I've got this one. The scarlet letter is what uh, Bill Hybels calls it in in the book. Okay, the scarlet letter being kind of the sort of the, the sinfulness, the sort of edginess, the kind of risque side of things. And this is the warning against adultery. As it's termed in Northern Ireland, just wise up. Okay, so just wise up is what it is. Proverbs 2, 12 and 19 talks about and says, wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman. Wisdom will save you from the adulterous wisdom. If you're wise, you make that decision, don't fall into that trap. Proverbs 6, 32 and 33, a man who commits adultery has no sense. If you have no sense, you have no wisdom. If you have no wisdom, you make foolish choices. Proverbs 7, 15 and 23, she seduced him with her smooth talk. She seduced him with her smooth talk. He fell for it. Now, these are all adulterous women. You can look at it from the other side as well. It's not just male, female. It could be female, male or whatever. Proverbs 4 is written for the father writing to the son. And it just, it, it just talks about get wis- getting wisdom at all costs. If you're going to do one thing, be wise. Get wisdom. If you have wisdom, you can be thinking about these things so you don't do these things. That's the warnings that are written in Proverbs. But if you're wise and you have wisdom, that will help you making your decisions. Resist temptation. It's, listen, temptation, it's easy to be tempted for whatever it could be, cream eggs. It could be, I don't know, McCoy salt and vinegar crisps. But in this instance, to be tempted by a fantasy, and it is that, it's not, it's not a reality, it's a fantasy. To sin and fall, we're all human, but what we need to do is think about what's at the foundation. A strong bond is hard to break. A couple that have a strong foundation can stand firm, can withstand it, can work through it, can be wise together and individually. I'm going to read a little bit from the book because it kind of sums it up better than I can. Forge strong families because a thriving husband-wife relationship is an essential foundation for the entire family. It is the first requirement for establishing a home in which children can grow in all the ways God intends. Faced with what seem to be overwhelming marital challenges, many people today attempt to redefine and restructure the family unit. But does anyone really have a better idea than God's idea of a mother and father living in loving harmony and creating a safe and stable home for their children. There's no shortcuts to marital growth. It takes time, more sacrifice, more time, more sacrifice, more tears, more compromise, more prayer and humility and more maturity than we anticipate. What we as parents do with our marriages will deeply affect our children. More time, more sacrifice, more tears, compromise, prayer, humility, and maturity. What 
we do as parents will impact our children. I'm sure each and every one of us can think back to being a child and think back to having our parents, and that can be tough for people to think back to that situation. It could have been really, really hard. It could have been really, really tough. And you can think about how, you, how were you influenced when you were a child. It can be really hard to think back and to regress your mind like that. But we can learn from that. From about the age of 10 through to when I was maybe 19, maybe 20, I kept a little diary every single day. Every night, I would just write a few wee, few wee lines. I used to write it to Roy. I don't know who Roy was. Dear Roy. This is confessional right here. No one knows this. Dear Roy, and I'd sort of say, you know, whatever I did, you know, it started off when you're 10 years old. Eight past a today, class, whatever. You know, and then you sort of get into your teenage or adolescence years and you're sort of writing and you're sort of writing about, uh, and I went to an all-boys school, so like girls were just like <laughs> aliens. And I remember, you know, the, the, you'd, you'd see the girl that you quite liked, and you say, oh, I saw so-and-so today. She wore a denim jacket. Cool. You know, that kind of thing. Any, you know, is that kind of confessional? But I can remember specifically writing about my parents and writing about things that I was living through, things that, I w- that, that, that they'd done that... Not bad stuff, but just, you know, I had, a, my dad and I would have, would have clashed big time in through my kind of adolescent years. I just thought, it's just so embarrassing. Oh, I'm now living that, right? <laughs> right now. <sighs> but, you know, it was only sort of latterly. I, I used that little kind of short snippet, two minutes at the end of a day, just to kind of put my feelings down and just get it, get it out there and just kind of give it over. And then sort of coming to faith is a big part of that as well. And sort of writing about, you know, I got to meet Jesus for the first time. I can specifically remember when it happened, not the date, but I know where it happened. And I remember writing that down specifically in my diary, that that, that day I met Jesus. I can remember writing things saying, thanking my mom and dad for what, you know, for who they are and what they did. And that leads us on to effective parenting. There they are. Okay, so... This is me FaceTiming them and screenshotting it. They don't know that picture happened. Uh, so, but there they are. So that's, that's mom and dad, um, effective parenting. I phoned, them, I phoned them the other day, and I was chatting away, and I said, uh, right, I'm doing this talk on part of it is effective parenting. And I said, what advice did you get maybe pre-marriage and then when you had kids, when you had my brother, who's older than me, and then myself? Um, you know, wh- what advice did you get? Now, Mom and dad were a lot older when they got when they got married, so they'd kind of they were sort of mid thirties, sort of late thirties. Um, and <laughs> I can remember my, my mom mom couldn't think of any advice. Dad just shouted from the background because even though he's got a hearing aid and he has tinnitus, for whatever reason, if he chooses to hear a conversation, he hears it. Even though mom's on the phone over this side of the room and he's over there, so I'm asking her the question, and he just shouted out that the only advice he got from his father-in-law was she's all yours now good luck is what he said so so that was the advice and then uh the the mom said when when my brother was born that the advice that she got from from friends was oh you know not necessarily advice but oh you'll love every minute of it you'll love every minute of it no you don't you don't you don't love getting up a hundred times during the night whatever season you're in oh it's hard 
But, you know, I, I am supremely grateful to both of them for the wisdom and the patience that, that they had in me. So much so, as I alluded to earlier, that I am living that relationship with number one son at the minute and just, you know, so embarrassing. I'm not allowed to sing in the kitchen when I'm making tea. It's, <laughs> dad. But, you know, when that when I start, then that started happening, I, I was on the phone and I said, look, I am sorry. I am really sorry. For I gave you hell when I was a teenager. I made your life a misery. I stayed out, didn't even know where I was, no phones in those days. <laughs> I'm that old, surprisingly. But your mom's response was, I, I don't remember you being like that. I honestly don't remember you being like that at all. And I'm like, mm, that's dementia kicking in or something. I don't know what it was. But, uh, but it, it, I, did, I did, yeah. No, so. But I am grateful. I'm fully grateful to both of them. Fully grateful to both of them. And I said that, and she, she's got a good sense of humor, so she can take that. But most of Proverbs as we look at it, is centered on the father-son relationship. But Proverbs 31, 28 to 30, as we look at this, it says of the wife and the mother who speaks with wisdom and offers faithful instruction that her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Those who were raised under the umbrella of parental wisdom being guided, you know, being given, being given wisdom. Be grateful. Say thank you. Apologize as I had to. And not just to your parents, but thank, thank God too. Wise parenting is to guide children systematically uh, and lovingly from dependence to independence, from irresponsibility to responsibility, from childishness to maturity. As parents, we're called to create Adults, future husbands and wives who can make their own life work, not to just be dependent on us the whole time and not telling them that they're never going to face difficulties, never going to face heartaches or challenges or disappointments because they will and it will be hard and it will be tough. But what you're giving them is the wisdom and the inner resource to, 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 to try and cope effectively as best as they can no matter what happens. Proverbs uh, 15 and 20 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. In 17 verse 6, Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Both of these proverbs are brilliant, and they are 100% true. Absolutely. Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their, chil of their children. However, the Waltons, remember them? The Waltons can very easily become the Colbys from Dynasty. or da they Dil Dallas or Dynasty, the Colbys? What were they? Dynasty. So the Waltons, the kind of perfect Night John Boy family, can easily become the Colbys. Okay? It can, be, it, it, it can happen. Pushing boundaries, love and limits. Pushing boundaries is inbuilt. Those little innocent eyes, the butter wouldn't melt face expression. But Proverbs is on hand to help answer this as well. Proverbs 22, uh, Proverbs 22, 15. Oh, we got that? No, 23. Yeah, there we go. Children are born sinful, and it's in us. It can be hard to see when the little angelic eyes are looking at you, but when that turns, it's easy to see that 
sin is in us. Help comes in Proverbs 23, verses 13 and 14. Punishment is a, a where are we going here? 22, sorry, I lost my space. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, there we go. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Punishment is a form of love. Now, the word punishment sounds harsh, so don't read it as a really harsh thing. But it's discipline. It's discipline. Parents who refuse to give out discipline will ruin the child. So you find a form that works best. You find a form that works best for the, for the situation. And again, that's something that is, should be done together as, as, as parents or discussed and thought. Seek advice on this, okay? Proverbs thirteen twenty four says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Yeah, be careful to discipline them. Different methods seem to work. Three, three examples I thought of, of in different films that work. Mary Poppins, you know, she kind of whistles a happy tune, that kind of thing, gets them to do it. Nanny McPhee uses reverse magic, so we can't do that, but that's it. And Mrs. Doubtfire, she, she just does what she does and gets prosthetic up. But in, in different ways, you know, discipline, Discipline is important. I'm just going to read another wee bit here. Uh, Here we go. When do we comfort tenderly? When do we comfort tenderly? And when do we correct forcefully? When do we encourage and when do we warn? When do we give advice and when do we listen? When do we do which? Those questions have driven me to my knees time and time again, but I've discovered that it is not a bad place for parents to be. When we come to God with a spirit of humility and seek his wisdom, he offers us help through scripture, through books, through mature friends, through counselors, and through the personal guidance of the Holy Spirit. I think that speaks volumes. You know, it's not something we face on our own at all. You know, the firm, remember the foundation, the solid foundation is in God. Work together in that. We're coming into land the last wee bit. Competence and confidence. So Proverbs 22, verse 6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. These, there's two levels to this here. The patterns that we set children take root in their lives and become their own. What they experience becomes then what they think is the norm. Teaching truth, teaching kindness and compassion. These kind of principles you set up in our kids. But disclaimer, this offers no guarantee. There's no guarantee that this, this is, is going to be the child is going to respond in this way. But the life lessons learned can show an example for them to follow. There's different challenges as parents that we face, but Scripture's there to, to give us, to help us, to give us the wisdom that we need to help get through. No matter what our own achievements are or our own successes as individuals in, in society, and we've looked at a few already, what, what we're known for or what the world sees us as, what do people see? This, this, just two very quickly. Roger Bannister died recently, the first man to run the four-minute mile. 
and this was his, one of his, he was interviewed shortly before he died. He says, none of my athletics was the greatest achievement, but his medical work has been his achievement and his family with 14 grandchildren, those are the real achievements. For Roger Bannister, yeah, he ran the four minute mile, but bigger than that in his life was his achievement and having 14 grandchildren, the work he did. One of the other ones was a guy who uh, I can remember watching, I saw him play many times uh, when I was growing up, Cyril Regis died a wee while ago. And this is one of his daughters said this, Cyril was an outstanding footballer, but much more importantly, an outstanding man. As a dad, his faith in Jesus Christ became a fantastic encouragement to many elite sports people to consider their relationship with the God who gave them their talents. The man was a giant in his generation. His daughter knew that Cyril Regis's faith was the most important thing in his life. And he, mo he modeled that to his kids and to his teammates. And, and he spoke and he finished his playing career. He was, he was amazing. How we live our faith, how we parent, how we partner in public and in private is always known and is seen by our, our Father in heaven. A Father in heaven who practices expert parenting. Mark 1, 9 to 11, the baptism of Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. These principles, you are my son. Jesus belonged to God. He was his son whom I love. Affection, show affection to the, to, to, to the family, to children. Whom I'm with, I'm well pleased. Affirmation, build them up, give them encouragement. This is the example from God to Jesus. Forging strong families is something we all as a church family commit to as well. And it's something that with the baby dedications we had last week, we, we share in the responsibility with humility, with love, and with prayer to work together as a church family to build, build up each other. For me, very quickly, just to finish, this is the last week's slide. As an example, uh, when, I was, when I was sort of in my late teens, uh, a different youth group I went to and youth leaders there, were uh, a couple called Richard and Corinne. They just got married. They, 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 and they were brilliant. They modeled marriage. They modeled what it is to be godly people. And they were amazing. And this is a picture, and uh, I contacted Corinne during the week to say I could use this. She put this on Twitter the other week. And it's a picture of her with her three grown-up kids, so teenage kids to sort of early 20s. And they, they just modeled Jesus to me in a way that I'd not seen in people in, in their sort of early 20s before. And it was it's such an impact on my life. She wrote this as well. And I'm not one for gushy social media stuff, but I think this is amazing. Gosh, what a privilege it is to have been trusted to raise these three. I failed many times and in many ways, but I've always tried my hardest to do what I believe was right. I'm so thankful for their Heavenly Father who has filled every gap and loves them a thousand times more than I do. We've laughed, we've learned together, grown together, laughed and cried together, and I'm learning now to let them go. For they were only trusted to me for a season in preparation for all that God has in store for them. I couldn't be prouder of each one of them. I couldn't love them even a teensy bit more than I already do and wouldn't be even a fraction of the person I am today without them. Love you so much, Team Mason. And I said, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago when I was at home. I went and saw, and I just I did the same thing. I said, Listen, thank you for what you did to me, for what you invested in me. You gave up your time to invest in me, and that impacted me in a massive way. 
and actually having the, the, the opportunity to do that was, oh, wow, amazing. There's been so much covered this morning in, in the topics of, of forging strong families, of solid marriages, of effective parenting. And I know that has probably impacted a lot of you in different ways, and you want to just either respond in whatever way you want to respond.